Welcome to Women Volunteers, a GFWC NC podcast where we talk with women across North Carolina who volunteer their time in support of community improvement. We'll find out how they got started, how they managed these projects, and the impact of their volunteer actions. My guest today is Crystal O'Neill, the president of the General Federations of Women's Clubs of North Carolina. She started her volunteer journey in 2000 when she joined the Burlington Junior Women's Club. She is a founding member of the Greater Alamance Women's Club and has held leadership positions on the club, district, state, and international levels of the General Federation of Women's Clubs. She is married with six grandchildren, Still freaks me out. Me too. (laughs) And she has day jobs uh, and maybe night jobs in law enforcement and education. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I am glad you're here. Uh, So, you know, we're kicking off this new podcast uh, about women volunteering for the General Federation of Women's Clubs of North Carolina. And you're their president. Yeah. So um, that's that's a big deal, right? Well, it. It is. It is in in a lot of ways. I mean, I I try to not make a big deal out of it myself, but um, it's a big responsibility and it's a good bit of work and um, it's like leading a huge team. So how long have you been president? Just about a year. Oh, wow. So that was like, you know, we were still pretty deep in COVID-19, right? Yeah, we were actually a little late getting started because of COVID because the restrictions started right about the time we should have had convention. And so we had to delay that a little bit and restrictions continued. And so then we scheduled the virtual, our first virtual convention. Wow. How did you do that? I mean, so you're coming in brand new to this, right? I'm I'm assuming you at least knew sort of what to expect until that happened. So how did you, how did you make a pivot to that? Well, um, you know, we did it together. Um, We had to make decisions together because this is not the kind of show that you run by yourself. Um, So, you know, we came together and thought about different ideas and, and again, made several pivots until we finally figured out, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what other folks are doing. And let's try this. We've got to do something because we had to change leadership and we have to have a convention to do that because that's what the bylaws say. Ooh, bylaws. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll probably head back to that, but I want to spend some time asking you some questions. Really, uh, you know, on topic with what we're going to be doing with this whole podcast series and really getting to the heart of um, volunteering. Uh, so um, in your bio, it says that you kind of started your volunteer journey, I know, at least with the Federation uh, in year 2000 when you joined the Burlington Junior Women's Club. So how did how did that happen? How did you hear about this club and, and why? Why? <laughs> right. Um, a lot of reasons and a lot of connections, really. It wasn't like I had one connection. Actually, you were one of my connections. Um, I also was working with somebody who was heavily involved at the time as well. And I was working at a social service type agency who was the beneficiary of a huge fundraiser that the club did. And finally, I said, well, let me check that out. Because again, working in nonprofits, 
um, that is your whole life, really. Um, and, and all of my free time, I was thinking about what to do at work and how I could do better at work. And it was just work all the time. So I thought that would be a way for me to get involved with a community that was different from my job and that I could get some variety in that volunteer work, not just all about domestic violence. So what kind of variety did you get? All kinds. That's the beauty of the Federation. Um, You know, we have service areas, our um, focus areas that we put out there for everybody. And you just kind of get to pick from the buffet of service. And those are the the community improvement projects. Uh, Community service programs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, those of us who are old and been around a while, we want to call them by their old names, our departments. But, yeah, they're they're CSPs, community service programs now. And they've changed a little bit. And if you look at our history, they change with the times. I mean, they really do. Oh, I would think so, They've been all kinds of different names. But, um, you know, just different types of focus areas about, you know, health, wellness, arts, culture, education, environment. Um, public affairs, public interest. um, And there's just so many things that you can pick from. And that's, to me, the beauty of it. Your club can pick, you yourself can pick. This is what I'm interested in. Or you can try try things on, really. You can get a taste of something. And I've seen people just discover their passion through this work, something they didn't know about and they learned about by volunteering with a club. And then they just became totally enamored with it and that's the route they took after that they've changed jobs or they've you know focused all their volunteering at one specific place or one specific idea um that they're committed to so you know you just get again it's a buffet yeah and i I may kind of chuckled at your mention of bylaws um i will tell every volunteer out there um if you are going to learn one thing volunteering with an organization and that's to understand parliamentary procedure and it sounds really odd and it sounds really wonky but i will tell you every time you hear about a challenge an organization happen in an organization i can guarantee 99 percent of the time it's because something somebody didn't follow the bylaws or know the bylaws or know a uh, proper procedure so is that something um most you, you can learn through these clubs uh, is that part of some of the knowledge that you get Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I, I've had the same issue. A lot of times people will ask me, well, what do I do? What do we do? Well, what does your bylaws say? And then, yeah, um, I don't know. Let me see if I can find those. So you really, that is where you start. And I've learned a lot about Robert's Rules of Order and I even took a class at one of the GFWC conventions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and these are the, you know, those rules are the same things that our county councils and our city councils and other, you know, governing bodies use um, to conduct business. Uh, and there's a protocol to it. Um Interesting. And I chuckle about it because, you know, those of you who may have read my bio, um, you know, I did go on to serve on a board at a nonprofit in a chair role. And uh, that knowledge that I learned within the uh, clubs that I have belonged to uh, really made a difference in my ability to serve well and be comfortable serving well. And, And that's important knowledge to have. Absolutely. I found it very helpful to have the framework that I learned in juniors and through the Federation and through my exposure to Robert's rules and the process of bylaws and um, and amending bylaws and making sure that you do things correctly, 
you know, I've been, again, like you, in other groups where they didn't have a clue. How to make a motion, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. They had no clue how to make a motion and that, you know, oh, you can make a motion and get a second, but you still have to still vote. Still have to vote, right. Yeah, yeah, You yeah, got to yeah. vote on that and you got to have, like, some numbers to pass it, yeah. you know, and not everybody has to agree. And it's okay not to agree, yeah, but once the decision great, yeah. is made then that's the decision and you stand by. Yeah. So you said um, in juniors, um, explain to our listeners what you mean by in juniors. So we have different categories of membership. We have juniorettes, which is for younger women, um, middle school, high school age. Um, You know, in the beginning, it was generally general club members. And so they started juniors for their daughters. Ah. way back in the olden times so because you know you wouldn't always necessarily have um the same interest or things in common or maybe people assume you wouldn't um with different age groups so that was started for their daughters and again it's designed originally for younger women now in different states they have different rules about that so um you know as a membership organization um you're allowed to have, you know, your own bylaws and your clubs have different bylaws, but we follow our state's rules. And so we do have age limits, which is not designed to constrict. It's designed to um, make sure that topics and interests are similar and to make it easier to recruit. Yeah. So if that participation side and and uh, kind of like uh, where we live, you know, you know, Crystal's a founding member of the Greater Alamance Women's Club, and she was in the Burlington Junior Women's Club. And those are both in the same area, and there are different age sets for them, but we still all work together on different things when mm-hmm. we have overlap, right? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think I've seen a lot of change in in the past few years, decades even, Um you know, clubs don't always stay the way they started. I've seen junior clubs become general clubs because the members aged out and they didn't bring any newer, younger members in, which is fine. Um, And then when those of us in the Greater Alamance Women's Club, again, we're mostly all old juniors who aged out and we started our own club and the Burlington midlife, Juniors are midlife. still right. <laughs> 45. So um, the, the Burlington Juniors are still going strong. You know, they're still an entity. And then when these clubs need extra help, they have friends in the community and we come together on several different collaborations. So tell me, so let's, this is good information because got to get an understanding of this organization to understand the volunteering side. So one thing I want to know um, is, Um, One, how did you get started volunteering? I think that I was volunteering before I knew I was volunteering growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, we helped people when they needed it. Yeah. And, you know, you do that in your home. You do that in 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 your church or, you know, just in your neighborhood. I remember somebody told when I moved him to my grandparents' house, um, one of the old neighbors talked about how they whenever they were in need, my grandma would show up with a pot of something. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just didn't even know about that, recognize that, but it's just always been there. Um, And I remember 
probably doing some volunteer work in school, but really in college, I got involved with a group that did volunteering and, um, and, you know, you just want to stay active in that. And then after school, looking for some other ways to be connected in the community. And I tell my students that this is really a way for you to try on different careers hmm. by volunteering in different areas, um, you know, especially as a student. Yeah. You think you want to do something, well, go be an intern or volunteer and see if it really is what you think it is. So what was your favorite, I mean, you got you, midlife, you've got a lot of time to look back on. What was yeah. your favorite volunteer project that you've done? It is hard to say what my absolute favorite was, but I was thinking about one earlier today. Totally didn't have anything to do with Women's Club at the time, Yeah. Um, but it kind of morphed into my life. We collected books back in the day and donated them to the agency where I work. Mm -hmm. And so as law enforcement officer, you ride around and sometimes you're in neighborhoods and the kids see you and they want stickers. Well, I knew it was something bigger when we rolled up and they started asking people for books because Mm -hmm. they knew we had books that juniors had donated to us. And these kids wanted those books. And I'm like, what? Awesome. So you got to see that like firsthand. <laughs> yes. The benefit of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. We gathered the books and then we put them into action. So I actually got to be a person that handed those out. And then I also, I always think about um, the special populations, prom and dances that we used to go to. And the reason I loved those so much, you know, it was a lot of work getting that many snacks and that many people to a place at Mm -hmm. one time to provide snacks for their dances or proms or, you know, whatever they were doing. But it was always so much fun while you were there. The stress of getting ready melted away. Yeah. It was so much fun. And it was a place that, you know, people didn't have expectations. They were like, oh, there's food. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, And we would dance and serve food and they didn't have to thank us and we didn't care a lot of times people um get the feeling of an event because somebody thanked them Hmm. but in this particular incident you didn't need the thanks because you knew you made them happy whether or not they thanked you yeah yeah so what are there project are there different scales of volunteering so when I think of um, if if I wanted to do, how does someone figure out how much they want to get involved and how much they can can do? And I I expect that you probably have some good information on that. And for you listeners, Crystal has a full time job, a part time job, and is president of a statewide volunteer organization. In addition to a few other things that she does, right? She's got family. She has you know the the grandkids um and it was just a little odd to me but all of these other things so um how do you how can people make that work you know it really depends on finding a club that works for you some clubs have requirements and maybe that's too much for you a lot of clubs have eased those requirements over the years you know because they want to keep their members involved so they set a bar and say we want you to be involved this much but really you know again that's the beauty of the federation it's a buffet of volunteering. So for the most part, you can pick and choose 
what you want to go to. And sometimes the events are scaled as well. You know, it may be something that you have a small club, you do little things, but then you participate on the district level and all the clubs in the districts come come to together to do a project together, which is of a much bigger scale. And again, we do that on the statewide level and even the international level. I've been at some conventions where we, the international conventions where we have a service project and there's hundreds of people going to work at a, sorting at a food bank or putting together meals or, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do and they'll load up buses of ladies and shove them out there to do volunteer work. And it's pretty awesome. Whereas you wouldn't get that opportunity in your little club. No, no. I think what on the state we've done, what are some of the state projects that we've done before for um, joint projects uh, when we have uh, big meetings? You know, it can range from anything where, you know, you have a huge hands-on component um, where you're assembling or putting something together. I know when we had a meeting here in Burlington, um, I think it was probably a year or two ago in the fall probably two years ago in the fall, we assembled, everybody brought and assembled um, things for purses uh, to be filled with supplies to be donated. Um, And that's something that we did hands-on. It may be art projects. I know we've done um, the kindness rocks before where we have all the materials laid out and you just create your your rock and then take it out into the community. Um, And then there are things that we do together that are a little bit different than a one-time hands-on project. So we have administration projects that go on for two years where we raise money or we donate things or we do some other kind of activity like what we're doing now at Charlotte Hawkins Brown Museum. So tell me, what are you doing at uh, Charlotte Hawkins Brown Museum and the Palmer Memorial Institute? And they're two of the same thing, right? And it's located in, is it Sedalia? Sedalia. Sedalia, mm-hmm. North Carolina. So what is what is a, the statewide organization doing with them? We are committed to raising $10,000 over two years. So that's averaging out to $5,000 per year, which we exceeded in our first year Woo-hoo! during a pandemic. Thank awesome. You. Very good. Um, yes. Thank you, ladies. Um, to beautify the place because it needs... I believe when I first met with staff, you know, that was my question. What is it that you need that you think we could give you, giving them an idea of what kind of scale we have? And um, without a hesitation, it was landscaping. You know, we need landscaping. We need curb appeal. Our landscaping is 20 years old. So we we set a goal um, and we have two specific areas that spe- specifically need love, and that's in front of the, the brand new, kind of brand new now. Um, flagpole is very new at the time. It needs to be decorated, and it's right there in front of the beautiful Kimball Hall, and you can see it from the highway. And then the other spot is Charlotte's gravesite, and it's it's there, and it's kind of oddly accessible, And a lot of the students who come to visit, who are graduates or who attended there, they come and they visit Miss Charlotte's Dr. Brown's um, gravesite. But it's it's just constructed oddly so that the sidewalk ends in a weird spot and then the the marker faces in a different direction. So just built it so we'd like to build it out so that it's accessible and beautiful. So tell me a little bit about um, 
the, the museum and uh, Charlotte Hawkins Brown. Uh, you know, my knowledge, I've been out there. It's an interesting site. I've gone to a couple of events they've had out there. Uh, she was an amazing black woman and certainly uh, an icon of her time. Uh, so most people, even though it's right down the road and very easily accessible and a state uh, site, mm -hmm. most people have no idea what she did or what this thing was and why it's important. Right. And it's an incredible resource that we have and that we, we need to talk about and we need to learn about, and we need to teach kids about, and they've done a great job. You know, when I was little, I thought that they just moved next door to the school. I no, thought really. they closed down that old building, those old buildings, and just moved to the new Sedalia Elementary School because I was little and I didn't know anything. And I was wondering why in the world would they leave this pretty place here and move to that school? Not that it's ugly. It's just different. Um, so I didn't get it. But, you know, she opened the school in 1902. Um, and it was to educate black children. It was to, yes, she had come to North Carolina. She was from Henderson, and her family moved north so that she could get a great education and that they could have some opportunities that they wouldn't have had here in North Carolina. And then she took a job working. Um, it's a religious organization that had a school um, in Sedalia. So she got on a, a train and came down here to teach kids. And basically, like, they wouldn't even stop the train for her to get wow. off. Yeah, I, I've read some stuff and I'm just like, wow, that is... I don't know that I have that stick to itiveness to yeah, be like, yeah, yeah, I'll just jump off yeah. this train right here and try to figure out where I'm going yeah. to teach children. Okay, that's pretty incredible in itself. And so she taught kids for a year or two, I believe, until the, the school stopped. They didn't fund that anymore, but the community wanted her to stay. Club wanted to support uh, again, you know, I have my own attachment to the to the school, just having gone up and down 70 for years and not knowing the full story. And then I voted there. Oh, OK. And that was my first time on campus. And I was like, this place is gorgeous. I, I, at that time, I kind of knew what it was. And I started following them on social media and then started going to events and I knew that, you know, that they needed some things. And I said, I think, I think people could get behind this. And even if they don't love this state historic site, there's probably stuff in your own backyard for all these clubs that they might not fully realize mm -hmm. or contribute to or use. So we could just make it a, a, a larger idea across the state that people can put their impact in their own backyard and in our collective backyard. And it's a, a state historic site, the first one named for a woman and a black person. Oh, wow. So, you know, that it was first in those two areas and, you know, we don't have a lot of, of state historic sites named for either. So it's pretty cool. And there's a lot of connections to us and to me. 1902 is when our state federation was uh -huh. founded and that's, that's on one of the pillars at the front of the school as huh. when it opened. Um, and then it stopped operating in 1971 when I was born. Ah, so I know there's just, I just, <laughs> I just felt connected to the place. And I actually, as a little kid was jealous that I didn't get to go to school there. Yeah. 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 So my dad said, you know, like when he was a kid, that he always wanted to go to a military school because he thought it would be fun. He didn't understand parents sent their kids there because they were problematic, right? 
<laughs> he never went to a military oh. school. He did end up, you know, having a career in the military. Right. But, but uh, you know, the, the things as we perceive them, right? Right. <clears throat> it can be very different. Mm -hmm. uh, are there other um, special projects that, you know, uh, the state federation or other clubs support uh, right now? Yes, we, we started, we didn't start it. I should correct myself. We, um, well, we started the Sunflowers for Suffrage campaign, which is a continuation that we had started focusing on as a federation internationally um, with the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, which would have been last August. And so there was some lead up to that in the previous administration, encouraging folks to celebrate that. And then we made the connection of Sunflowers being um, used in early campaigns um, for women's suffrage. And so we came up with the name and we wanted to not just make it a one-time thing again, because not all women got voting rights. That's right. They when the 19th right. Amendment yeah, was passed. Uh, the white women got voting rights. Yes, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we need to recognize that it wasn't a one-time deal and to continue to honor the fact that there are still people who struggle to vote today. Um, so, instead of just having it culminate in the one event, we're just carrying that through. And and peeps, people are doing a great job of recognizing that and just latching on to the sunflowers and, and being real active and getting people to vote and encouraging folks to vote and encouraging folks to look at the history, not just mm -hmm. today, but how voting rights happened. Hmm. And a lot of the efforts that went unrecognized by women of color. If someone is interested in maybe volunteering with GFWNC, uh, GFWCNC through a local club, how do, how do they even, what do they do? Um, you know, we have information on where the clubs are in the state on our website. Um, and you can look in your community. You can look on social media. You know, is there somebody near me? Um, and, you know, there are also cyber clubs as well. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people, it's knowing somebody. You know, a lot of people make friends and these are the folks that they want to be around. And these are the folks that they lean on in crisis. And these are the people they spend a lot of time with um, and make a huge impact in their community. So, you know, reaching out and certainly the leadership on our website, um, any of us can help you find a club if you're interested in volunteering. And that's gfwcnc.org is the website. Yeah. Do you have a lot of friends that you've made over the years? Absolutely. Some of my best friends. And I got friends all over the world, you know, because I go to international conventions and meet folks. And I, I remember one of my friends was talking about when her kid was going to college. All right, well, if you go here, sat down on the map with the kid and said, all right, if you go here, you're near Miss So-and-so. If you go here, you're near Miss So-and-so. If you need something, they're close by. And this friend ended up having her kid go to someplace in Guilford County. And it was a, it was a day when there was a lot of snow or ice or something. And she called me up and she's like, he's supposed to come home. Do you think it's safe? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing so, so it's the clubs, really do you, interesting is it all volunteer or like does it all work you know there's there's a lot of training and how to organize okay so it's not just the vol you can go anywhere and like sign up to be a volunteer for a day mm -hmm. but if you want to learn how to organize volunteers this is a great way to it's do great it transfer yes, of skill too. absolutely there's yeah. so much 
I do at work because I learned it from the women's club. About motivating people, generating buy-in, helping people understand, Mm -hmm. helping people make change. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been um, a great conversation, Crystal, and I'm so glad that you could join me today and that we could do this. Um, And I thank you for giving our listeners a peek into your volunteer history and your impact and the Federation, the General Federation of Women's Clubs of North Carolina. I know, how many, how many, uh, Clubs do we have in the state? Uh, We have about 2,000 club women, and the number of clubs escapes me at this very second. That's fine. Hundreds. It's on the website, I'm sure. (laughs) Hundreds of clubs. That's a lot of women Mm -hmm. doing a lot of great things across the state of North Carolina. So um, thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we kick off our podcast about Women Volunteers of GFWCNC. Women Volunteers is a podcast by Kelly Paul for GFWCNC. If you're interested in learning more about the General Federation of Women's Clubs of North Carolina and how you can join these amazing women in improving our communities, please visit us on the web at gfwcnc.org.